Hello and welcome to the WW News Today podcast. My name is Eric Morton. With me as always is Tom Corliss. And we are in the middle, actually we're at the end now, our final episode of Unbuilt Disney Attractions, episode uh, part four of this four-part thing. And in terms of total episodes that we've done, Tom, what episode is this now? Nine? Is this episode I guess nine? so. I don't know. Time really flies. I just show up. I love that you show up happy and chipper and ready. I to definitely have a good didn't just time. yell at everyone about the Wigs early access. So uh, Wigs are watching some of them right now. We offer this benefit where they can watch live as we uh, as we film. And uh, if you want to know what a Wigs member, uh, what else a Wigs member can get, you can go to wwnt.com/patreon or patreon.com/wdwnt. You can become a Wigs member for as little as two dollars a month, and at the seven dollar a month and up level, yeah. you get things like uh, post shows and asset access to uh, this as a live feed several days before but the episode also, airs. You also get early access if you miss the live stream. Right. Correct. And that's what we thought about. Yeah. No, that's why I'm, I'm saying it again. So it has to be done. There you go. Therefore, Tom said it. Therefore, it has to it be has done. It has to be done. So there you have it. Um, Tom, always out there fighting for the Wigs member. That's what he does. And then he fights with the Wigs member in the case of Joe. Wow. He there tells are greatest Joe to supporters, shut up you know, with yeah. the exception of Joe. <laughs> Joe's his own special case. Jason is going to edit this out. That would require Jason to edit something. So I don't, I or worry. watch this. <laughs> wouldn't, worry, wouldn't worry about it. Jason doesn't even know this exists. Oh, boy. You noticed uh, on the last few episodes we have booms now for our microphones. Huge upgrade. Just... Boom, the high dollar the stuff. Ready you or not. <laughs> really want to make an investment in the show. You dig out the booms from the broom closet. And there we go. We have them. We don't have the fancy ones. We just have the the oh, they work the same. They work the, they work. They're similar. They don't look as cool, right? I can do this and it sounds like I'm getting further away, even though I'm not. There you go. <laughs> just play with these. Everybody in this podcast thinks I'm talking to them. But I'm, but I'm really, really just, just talking, talking to you. you. <laughs> Boy, we've okay. uh, we've opened up with enough stupidity. Let's jump what right into it. What kind of stupidity would you like to see? I wore my "Worlds of Fun" for you, shirt for you today, and everything. Oh, Jake yelled at me to not move the mic now. Oh. I got yelled at. It does oh, it no. sound okay, Jake? We can we can should move I, forward if it's should. I move okay. it somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Maybe to Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep going with these Muppet Vision jokes all day. I think it's a little low. It was up here, I think. There you go. Just just for clarity, when you say the mic's a little low, that has nothing to do with the uh, people running the soundboard. That's up to you to fix that. It's good. Thank you. All right. Don't move them. So, first on this week's list of unbuilt Disney attractions. Do you want me to take this one? I think you should take this one because this, okay. for whatever reason, seems like something you would have Well, it's an really MGM liked. thing, yeah. so it's me. Imagine a ride set in 1930 Chicago with all the warehouses, streets, cars, and trappings of the gangland uh, we've come to expect from the era. You race through the streets in your vehicle using your Tommy gun to battle villainous gangsters like Flat Top and Itchy, who are working for Big Boy Caprice, Bullets fly, and an errant burst sends the lids of nearby trash cans flying through the air. This was the vision of Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers. In 1989, the same year Dick Tracy was in production, Disney opened the MGM Studios and were looking for films to incorporate into the popular park that didn't have much to do. 
Uh, with a planned location on Sunset Boulevard, Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers would have become the first ride to use the EMV, Enhanced Motion Vehicle Technology, that would become famous at the Indiana Jones Adventure. Surrounding the Crime Stoppers ride would be a 1920 and 30s style Chicago land where guests could wander the streets and shop uh, and shops that all no doubt promoted the Dick Tracy movie and its hoped for sequels. Sadly, the entire project was never given the green light. The Dick Tracy movie, while profitable, was not the blockbuster success executives were hoping for. Grossing $162 million, Disney had hoped to earn closer to $411 million for the Michael Keaton uh, Earned close to the $411 million of the Michael Keaton Batman movie. With any sequel plans canceled, the budget for the ride was too big of a gamble for what wouldn't have been a lucrative franchise. Um, so, <laughs> By the way, they kept the characters itchy and flat top. They're the official mascots of the all-star resorts now, right? Wow. Um, oh, boy. So my father Boing, was dad a, joke of the week. My father was a big Dick Tracy fan. I think he bought just about anything. With Dick Tracy, I think he had the leather jacket and the watch and everything. I have very, the watch. We all have really, the watch now. Really, in, well, he was really into it, um, and so I don't know. As a kid, it was one of those weird things. Like I didn't understand. I was too young to understand why it then wasn't a thing. The same with the Rocketeer, where I remember like this is a big deal, and then it just vanished into obscurity. And you're like, I guess it wasn't a big deal. Um, all these movies they thought were going to be huge hits that just didn't. The live-action side never really found its legs. It's interesting to think um, what the enhanced motion vehicle would be like with Tommy guns. It sounds so fun, like just bouncing around. But, I mean, it's hard enough to just kind of well, keep your less, balance on, on... It might have been less violent, right, because someone would have just broke their face on the back of the gun, right? Just go like this into it. Yeah. <laughs> it jerks forward, smash your face on it. I just, I think it's a super cool idea. Obviously, I don't think it would have survived anyway because guest operating guns, I think that would have been, regardless, if, if even if Dick Tracy became this mega franchise, the ride would have changed at some point anyway. If you think Indiana Jones Adventure breaks down a lot now, imagine, imagine adding- Imagine if they the, tried to build it four years earlier. With guns. Yeah. Make, make them more complicated and add guns. Yeah, so it kind of worked out in the end. That didn't happen. I don't know. And that movie, I- I, I haven't I haven't seen so much as like a thumbnail for that movie in, on streaming service. I haven't yeah. seen that, that movie just disappeared from public yeah. consciousness with it. Like, and they tried real hard. They pushed yeah. it real hard. Well, early Warren on Beatty it. apparently also like they did talk about doing the sequel. Well, Warren Beatty was a real pain in the ass about it because um, he was the one that had the rights. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. in any case, it did not happen. Sunset Boulevard would have to wait for. It's yeah. good attraction. That's my guilty pleasure movie, though. I love watching. I mean, the set. When is the last time you saw it? I, I wouldn't know where to Probably find like it. Probably two, three years ago. Really? Yeah, it was on TV. It used to be on TV pretty right with like with stars and stuff like that is on pretty regularly. Well, next we have Geyser Mountain, which was planned for Disneyland. I'm sorry, Disneyland Paris. Yes. The Geyser Mountain attraction was originally intended to be placed in the Frontierland area. Uh, one, at one point, maybe even at Disneyland in California. So you weren't wrong. I wasn't 100% wrong. I was only partially wrong. Uh, the storyline was that the guests would ride a drilling machine where they encountered a geyser. This would toss the riders up and down Tower of Terror style. Again, before Tower of Terror existed. And I would say it, it, it sounds like the movements would be more similar to now the Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout, which is kind of a, a bouncy... As opposed to a straight free, the Tower of the Terror. The other weird is thing like, is you'd kind of be in a roller coaster train when it did this. So you'd be seated in a roller coaster train. So think of like Hagrid's when the track drops, but 
doing a lot more up and down kind of thing. But yeah, this was, of course, Paris didn't succeed. It didn't get built, and the rest is history. Now, we'll get into that later. We've talked about it before, about Paris being blamed for everything. Guess which one I get to talk about. This is the... All right, so if you Should watched... I go grab the shirt? If you watched... Yeah, go get the shirt. No, I'm not going. If you watched shirt. WWE News tonight, and who doesn't, uh, a couple of years when we had a March Madness <laughs> bracket tournament all of, of the uh, best unbuilt Disney attraction of all time, um, this one became so popular that we made a T-shirt Well, because we I still haven't sold out of. But. So the, but the backstory is... The story starts before March Madness... We did a Back to the Future, which I think is it's still on this channel, um, many years ago, um, which was about the Switzerland Pavilion planned uh, for Epcot. It was part of the Matterhorn in general because we, we talked about the Disney on one too. Um, but we had essentially the proposal, the whole book, for the Switzerland Pavilion at Epcot, and they planned a Matterhorn, and it was weird. It was very strange, um, where the backstory was that the Matterhorn was actually home to a secret Swiss bobsled training facility. So the backstory is you go through what like a secret entrance. It looks like you you're in a shack or something, right? Like a tiny outhouse and you yeah. go through the door and then suddenly it's actually this high tech facility where they're training the Swiss bobsled team and you're going to run this co- this training course. Were you going to mute that eventually? But you're going I was so, trying to reinforce your point. Bing! Like, this is it's great. A, it's a secret Swiss bobsled training facility. That was the backstory. And there were two different versions. One where it was like kind of space mountainy and it was in the dark and there's just a lot of neon props. It's weird. Um, and then another version that you actually go through mm. the mountain and things happen. A cheaper version and a more expensive version. But that's why, because it became this, like, people people die. I remember doing that live. I, I didn't show anyone the plans before we did the segment. Right. And I remember, like, Scott, I opened, Scott Smith used to be on the podcast. We opened it up, and I get to the part where it's a secret Swiss training facility, and he just starts dying. He's like, <laughs> what? What's happening? Um, so, yeah. I think um, of, like. That's the Epcot version. The other version is around the same time it was envisioned for Magic Kingdom where it would have been kind of. Um, directly behind the castle. I remember seeing art um, on a VHS tape many years ago for the proposal um, where the Matterhorn is lined straight up with the castle. So castle here and then further back in the park Matterhorn. And so they're right behind each other. And it forever would have changed the skyline. Forever you would have had the castle framed by the Matterhorn, which would have been super weird. Um, Yeah, but for, for a number of reasons, neither of these never happened. I like this idea of a secret base, though, and I'm inevitably transported to, like, video games. I remember there were, there is a real, like, Russian submarine base that's, like, under a mountain where the yeah. submarines would go in there it's somewhere in Crimea. But maybe the Swiss government. Um, I mean, the, the Swiss being a, a peaceful people probably wouldn't take an offense to Disney pitching them a secret facility. No, that's what I love right? about it, right? So then you, you think... Um, uh, Ivan Drago, like in Rocky, you know, yeah. in this like high tech Rocky's like training in a barn in Rocky Four, like dragging logs through, you know, waist deep snow, and Ivan Drago's like on a machine that mimics what he's doing. Yeah. And I love the idea of the friendly <laughs> Swiss people who, you know, are like doing this, but for something as trivial as bobsledding. Yeah. Not it's not for pugilism or you know physical combat or a it's war. The, the it's to be faster love. at bobsled. Yeah. I love the idea. I I think this idea should never die. 
Yeah. I think they should keep this alive forever. Did this win our this March match? This and one. And then Josh, easy, uh, Josh of Easy WDW, you may remember, um, famously at the end goes, well, I'm sure glad we picked something that doesn't exist already at Disneyland to win this tournament, <laughs> which was a fair point. It kind of just won because it became a, a meme of sorts. That's, well, that's mostly what happened. March Madness doesn't always do a good job of no. choosing the best one. I believe... The year before I got involved, they chose Cosmic Rays as the best counter service restaurant. Sci-Fi won best table service. Really? I didn't know about Sci-Fi. Sci-Fi, more people are right with because, right, the setting is unbelievable, right? It it is the most themed restaurant. Yeah, but the food's not. No. The food's no good. Same for Cosmic Rays, right? I think it was the same thing where people love the atmosphere. People love to watch Sunny Eclipse play, but the food is garbage, but that still won. People like our tangents. What are the top five table services at Disney World that are Disney-owned restaurants? Top five table service? Oh, my God. That is rough. Well, you brought up one of them. I I think I think right at the top of the list is Flying Fish. After eating there the other day, it's It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Flying Fish, I would agree. You're going to say Jico and Sanaa? Chico or Sanaa? Uh, Sanaa, definitely, because you got to have something yeah. that's not a signature in this okay. conversation, right? Um, I'm throwing Ale and Compass into very similar to Sanaa that hidden gem, not everyone knows about it, but every dish is fantastic. It's a good time for everybody. Um, Citricos, for sure. Love Citricos. I've never eaten a Citricos. Yeah. Or uh, I've not eaten at Victorian Alberts or. Um, I just drew a blank. What's the other one at Grand Floridian? Grand Floridian Cafe. No, there's... Narcoosies? Narcoosies. Yeah, I've never eaten at Narcoosies or Citricos. You're not missing. Or Victorian Alberts. Citricos is, is, as the kids would say, banging. Okay, so we're at four for you. <sighs> I don't know who else to throw What are the other, like, fancy... Some really You can't really count, like, Kappa, even though it's got a Michelin Disney star, right? Because it's not Disney Tiffin's operated. is still great. I still love Tiffin's. That's in the conversation, for sure, at Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a weird one. Ready for a weird one that's only a recent Hold thing. on, I'm going to try to guess. You're never, in a million years, you would never guess the restaurant I'm about to name. There's no Liberty way. Tree. I don't know. No. I don't know. There's no way. Whispering Canyon. I Whispering like Whispering Canyon. Canyon There's a but it's, it's just the skillets, It's not right? really what I would. Now, hold on. You're like, oh, it's just the skillets. Blah, blah, blah. And I agree with you for a while. But then we had, what event did we just have where we brought all the wigs members? Um, Some event, yeah. What year is it? Was I guess it was for Animal. Was it for Animal? Animal Kingdom, Kingdom 25th. Or our, our, our anniversary event in July. That's right, the 16th. Yeah, 16th. The unscrupulous 16th. Yeah. We brought 30 people, and I'm sitting there, I'm eating the skillet. I was like, wow, the, the, this fish is cooked really well. This The cauliflower is perfect. These potatoes are fantastic. And the more I mean, I'm like, everything in this dish is fantastic. And these guys are making giant batches of this stuff. Like, what is going on here? And so I'm like, I got to go back and see if this is if this is real. I've been back three times since then. And every time, everything is cooked perfectly, right? So it doesn't need to be a signature. Everything they do, I get the um, the lighter side skillet, mm-hmm. which has the, for no reason, it's not a vegan dish, has the vegan sausage I love, which I rant and rave about. Um, but the potatoes, the vegetable, everything's cooked so well. And you wouldn't think, you're like, oh, it's just one of those all-you-care-to-enjoy restaurants. And it'll be fine. And that's how I used to feel about it. I always liked Whispering Canyon for the, like, the, the servers put on a tremendous show. But then the food's solid. But lately it's been, not only do you get the trend to show, the food's all been cooked perfectly. It is one of my favorite restaurants now. Um, it's a weird one, but I, I love it. 
I, I think I tend to eat more at non-Disney-owned, like Wine Bar yeah. George. It's a whole different list. Haleo. Yeah. Haleo is going to be at the top of that list, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of those. Yeah. Kappa has Michelin star. I don't know that it's really Michelin star worthy, but I think Kappa is very good. Kappa solid, yeah. Had brunch at Plancha over the weekend. Plancha yeah. is very good. But I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting about anybody. Oh, Sebastian's Bistro, right? We have a YouTube. It's a good review. deal. It's a good deal. Yeah, and the food was good too. Sebastian Bistro, not, probably not top five, but top ten or fifteen, probably. But I mean, for thirty-five bucks, you can't the beat value, that. The value, right? For thirty-five dollars, it's the best meal it. you can get on property. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, and then Toledo. Don't sleep on Toledo either. I like Toledo. Plus, you can go to Dahlia for. Obviously, oh brown brown derby's in my five. I no, mean, I brown. knew that. Cobb salad. I forgot my Cobb salad and my bread. Yeah, that's always going to be in my, always going to be in my top five. Yeah. Well, to those we to folks, good job. We'll There's do more episodes episode. on this. Yeah. Uh, we have arrived at our next. Oh boy, this is a big one. Uh, Space station Earth. That was at the, uh, the doomed Westcott project. Yeah. Westcott was a planned second theme park for the Disneyland Resort in California. It was essentially a new age version of Epcot Center um, dedicated to the celebration of human achievement, namely technological innovation and international culture. The park would have been represented by Spaceship Earth as its space icon. Station space Station. Sorry, obviously. Space Station Earth as its icon. Now, in Future World, uh, Space Station Earth was going to be 300 feet tall. For reference, Spaceship Earth at Epcot is 180-ish feet tall. It have a golden exterior. It was going to be gold. A garish, 300-foot-tall golden ball. Obviously, it was going to have to have those FAA lights on top of it, right? Over 200 feet tall. But, I mean, think of a ball that's 100 feet taller than a Tower of Terror. Would have been cool. I mean, Westcott, you ever look at the art? We have Westcott art in this room, actually. But, yeah. Um, it's... Uh, it was that would have been a really cool thing to see. You can you can say though that this is one of those projects that probably did, one of the reasons it didn't happen, other than it was pretty fantastical, was uh, being gun shy from Disneyland Paris, right? This and Disney Sea, which was going to yeah. be in Long Beach. Yeah. Uh, and now, I think Westcott is a bad name for this park. I hope they would have gone with something else. I don't know. I don't like it referencing that it's you know the West community. Of yeah, Florida. like. Like people, I like the name. I think it looks good on a shirt. I'm a fan. It, is that the is that the bar? Right. It looks good it looks on good merchandise on and branding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it. I think it's. It looks good, especially in that that font. Man, it's it's a good looking logo. Uh, do you want to take the next one? Yeah, the Russia Pavilion. A Russia Pavilion was once envisioned for Epcot in the early 1990s. The Russia Pavilion was envisioned to be built in the northwest corner of World Showcase, where next to Germany Pavilion, five acres of land were available for the newest pavilion of World Showcase. The main attraction of the pavilion would be an 800-seat theater presenting a show entitled Russia, The Bells of Change. Uh, there is a full video on YouTube of the presentation to create this pavilion. I can't imagine why this wouldn't have worked then or now. Yeah, I mean... How weird would it have been to have a country and world showcase that we're currently at odds with. That'd be kind of weird. I'm, I'm glad. This I mean, China's been a, a rival of ours on the global stage for a yeah, long but time. Not there's li- a China like, pavilion. Not with active military conflict with a, a, another country though. Right. You know, it's, it's a little different. Like there not, are, there are a lot of problematic things about the China relationship. Yeah. 
right? There are. But it's not violent in nature. Well, no, right? but Disney has come out with a lot of criticism because they filmed yeah. Mulan near some oh, yeah. Look, basically internment I'm, or concentration camps wrong, for ethnic am, people. You will not meet anyone <laughs> in the Disney online community who bashes communist China as much as I do. Um, you know, no, I'm just saying, I, I think but, the Russia one would yeah. take that up a notch. I think oh, it'd you, be way worse. Yeah. I, I think you could also say that for when we were talking about the Arab nations or Israel, you know, all of these that were, um, yeah. more, uh, they, you know, there's more conflict to kind of sift through before you get, you know, people, when they think of some of these places, think of conflict before culture sometimes, True. Uh, just because that's what they see on the news. That's what they see, you know, in their lives. And I can understand this. I think the Russian pavilion would have been cool. Um, they have an interesting culture. They have, I could picture a nice vodka bar there. There's, what would they have overlaid this with instead? What other country could they have quickly turned the Russia pavilion into? Well, any old e former like Eastern Bloc country or... But one that's going to make sense. Poland? Um, yeah, I don't know. Wow. I don't know. God. I don't think they were going to have an East Germany either, so... No. Oh, boy. Yeah, you got it. Here's a here's a big one. Here's a doozy. Castle Young Frankenstein. That was going to be it's a Disney's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, in 1989, the Imagineers were meeting with Mel Brooks. Yes, Disney's attraction creators were meeting with the man who brought us Blazing Saddles and Spaceballs. Uh, the goal was to convince Brooks to begin producing his films using the facilities at the newly opened Disney MGM Studios. Mel and his son Max were huge fans of Disneyland, so Michael Eisner thought he could tempt him to work with Disney. Disney MGM Studios uh, was a new concept. Universal had a backlot in Hollywood that wasn't really a theme park and was building a theme park in Florida that wasn't really a working studio. Combining the two was something different, and Brooks's ride would be getting in on the ground floor of the new park. After six trips to Imagineering and many phone calls, Brooks was ready to start his attraction. At the time, the goal was to be funny and scary, which is what led to the Imagineers to create Castle Young Frankenstein. Uh, the funny, scary vibe fit well with one of Brooks's most popular movies there. Young uh, Frankenstein was about a young man finishing his grandfather's work for the Frankenstein name. The attraction would be in the castle with the queue winding through the streets of Bavaria. It never happened and eventually led somehow to Tower of Terror, but God, this would have been great. Would have loved this. I mean, it would have been great, but I think that the vibe that they were, that Disney, I think the way that the Hollywood studios or MGM especially connected with people was more of a classic Hollywood. So I think it would have been weird to have like, you know, Mel Brooks, who's actively making movies, like kind of having attractions and having a studio. There was there no, at the same but time. there was the, it was it was twofold, right? So like the entrance street and the great movie ride evoked classic Hollywood more mm -hmm. so, right? But even so, like on the great movie ride, you had contemporary movies. You had Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones had a scene. This is a yeah. very contemporary movie. But they the weren't time. also filming Indiana Jones movies at No, but MGM. they were actually filming all sorts of other stuff. And also there was an Indiana Jones show. There was a Star Wars ride. You know, the Muppets, right? This all these were all contemporary things. And then along the back line. No, door, but my specifically my concern would be the incongruency of like filming the or the congruency of filming these things there and having attractions for the same movies while you have active sound stages filming. Yeah, you know, they're they're using this to try to get Mel Brooks to film stuff at at MGM. Yeah, I don't think it would have been out of place. I think uh, it would have been weird. No, I think it. Works. I think it would have just put me too much in the present. Okay. I don't know. 
I mean, look, I would love, I would love this ride. Whatever exactly it turned out to be. Yeah. I don't know. I can see where the, none, why none of the Mel Brooks stuff happened. It, it it's something I love and something that Make probably doesn't sad. fit. Yeah. Professor Marvel's Gallery of Illusions, at Disneyland Park, a carousel theater show featuring strange and unusual things. The show featured Professor Marvel showing off all of his magical finds, including a purple dragon. Professor Marvel, of course, eventually became Dreamfinder, and one of his creatures transformed into the lovable Figment, our Lord and Savior. And uh, this was in this was Discovery Bay again, Carousel Theater show. Professor Marvel was a dragon collector. This has nothing to do with Marvel. No, company. no. But again, Tony Baxter worked on this, and the the hallmark of Tony Baxter's career is holding on to every idea for for dear life and never letting go of it until you finally squeeze it into something. Right. Right. So look at like the the litany of things from Discovery Bay. The Hyperion, the movie tanked. It's never going to happen. He somehow gets the thing to be part of Disneyland Paris. Somehow this irrelevant movie, they build a full-size airship, right? The Nautilus was supposed to be in the bay. That ends up in the middle of Discoveryland in that Paris. But that's also. not really due to their um, their films, though. That's They fit this aesthetic that they wanted, right? This sort of yeah, steampunk you aesthetic. You could argue it doesn't make sense why it was approved. The glass, like Discovery Bay had these buildings with these big glass roofs, Right. Mm -hmm. He keeps fighting. He works on the land pavilion. He tries to make it the big glass dome building. That doesn't happen. He then moves to the imagination pavilion. He finally gets his glass roof. It's not the same, but it's the pyramids. But he gets his big glass roof finally. The, the man would not let go of anything. The same with Professor Marvel. Like That character begins as Professor Marvel. He's then the land keeper. When he worked on the land pavilion, he tried to get this bearded, suited man into there. And then he gets imagination. We're actually like, going to well, talk about we, that later. Here we go. <laughs> he just would not. He'd have an idea, and it would be, I'm getting this into something, whether you like it or not. I mean, that's good, right? Yeah, Someone I that fights for something worked, that they think they is going to. They all worked yeah. out, right? But it could be bad if it's not a great idea, and you just keep. You keep forcing it on. But if you don't have people that have that sort of clout to fight for these things, like Tony Baxter, yeah. then what you get is what we're getting. Well, like now. it could have been bad, right? The land keeper. Would anyone have cared about a the man in a suit, big the the pudgy bearded man in a suit who's fighting for you to, you know, uh, save the earth? It, I don't know if he would have landed with people. I think it depends on how it was executed. I mean, yeah. the Dreamfinder connects with people. He does, but it makes sense. He, it all worked very well. It, it was very natural. I think he worked as Professor Marvel, too, this guy that collects dragons. As the guy who, like, is the keeper of the land, I don't know. Um, yeah, anyway. All right. Uh, bullet Train at Epcot. Uh, this ride technically would have been a simulator, but it would share many similarities with the Circle Vision films of Epcot. The train would have limited movement while film plays showing beautiful locales throughout Japan. At one point, it even had a Godzilla theme. Talk about another franchise that I think is grossly misrepresented in the theme park world. Godzilla. Man, I would die for a great Godzilla attraction. This mean, wouldn't have been What do you mean it, misrepresented? But... Like it's it's not it has no representation anywhere. Godzilla That's not like one of most famous. Okay. It's a giant monster movie. Mm -hmm. um, there are some little things here and there. So I stand by misrepresent. There's some little weird things. There's like a, I think there's like an action park in Japan where you ride a zip line through his mouth. 
Um, and there's a sign hotel, me up for that. There's a hotel theme to him in Tokyo as well, um, where there's a giant Godzilla statue like peeking out of the building. It's really cool. Um, uh, yeah, but that that's what I, I I just can't believe no major theme park ever built a Godzilla ride. That blows my mind. The bullet train that sounds suspiciously like Fast and Furious Supercharge. Where I think it sounds like the Hogwarts in Express. A motion simulator. I think it's just what you sat there and there's there's a film and you're like jostling around. Oh, uh, Hogwarts Express. It. Yeah. Not Vin Diesel. But it wouldn't actually gone anywhere. Yeah. All right. Boy, we how many how many Japan things do we? Are there, there these are now three. Right, because we have Meet it's the World. It's a story of Actually, any pavilion, any pavilion yeah. that doesn't have an attraction. That's pretty much the story. Mount Fuji, Meet the World, yeah, Bullet Train. We, I don't Actually, think Meet the World's not even in here, world. is it? Is it not on this list at all? I don't know. It didn't make it at yeah. all. It's not on here. I mean, it because it. I get. I think it wasn't on the list because it technically, it, it existed. It was built in. They Japan. did build it. Would have it. been identical. Yeah. yeah. If you want to go on an acid trip, uh, go watch Meet the World. Go find a video on YouTube. It is. It's classic Disney. It's also super weird. The stork or the crane that guides these two children on a historical tour of Japan that, you know, maybe briefly, uh, you know, glosses over some important world events. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, doesn't every country do that, right? The American Adventure... It touches know. on some. Yeah, it at least topics. doesn't. It doesn't pretend things didn't exist, right? You get to the the montage. There's the somber portion of yeah. the montage, right? Um, it's like turns out we the people didn't mean all, all the, the people. people anyway. So we're right yeah. over here on this mountain. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, look, countries that participate are going to put their foot forward that makes their country look good, and so yeah. that's what we get, right? Yeah. Circus Disney. An audio-animatronic big-top show that would have featured the menagerie of various Disney characters performing circus acts such as Elliot, Baloo, and King Louie, Goofy, Dumbo, Horace Horse Collar, and Bongo and Lulabelle. So animatronic... I assume this is old. Animatronic... This is for Dumbo Circus Land at Disneyland. Okay. Animatronic circus show with Disney characters. I think this would have had the same fate as Mickey Mouse Review, which even in Japan couldn't survive. It just felt dated eventually. Um, this would have had the same fate. I would have loved to just see it exist, but I also understand. Dumbo Circus Land, the both Discovery Bay and Dumbo Circus Land. Some really interesting ideas. It's all you. All right. Um, we the People. That's at Disney's America. Uh, we the People was originally intended to be a widescreen 3D film for the unbuilt Disney's America theme park. It would have had the story of the immigrant experience of Ellis Island being told from the perspective of who else but the Muppets. Later on, when a turn-of-the-century Manhattan Motor Mania ride was announced for Tokyo, was announced for Tokyo Disney Sea's American Waterfront, the concept was being retooled, retaining the Muppets as uh, you know, retaining that Muppets immigrants motif, but it was ultimately shelved and replaced by the Tower of Terror. Yeah. Um, the the story there goes that the Japanese do not necessarily, they don't know the Muppets super well, and so that's why it really didn't happen. But also, um, I think that changed relatively quickly. I think they knew they were going to do Tower Terror. Tower, they knew they were doing Tower Terror pretty much from day one in that park, right? If you look at American Waterfront without Tower Terror, it looks like an unfinished land. It's like, well, how is this New York? There's no super tall buildings. Um, but then once you get Tower in there, it feels like a, it, it feels cohesive. It feels finished at that point. Um, 
Yeah, but I, I mean, this could have been cool. This could have been a fun film. I mean, Muppets, right? Oh, yeah. What, another thing I would have liked to have seen, yeah. The Monstro Boat Ride. What was supposed to be Disneyland's first thrill ride, Monstro the Whale would have been home to a Shoot the Shoots boat ride. Instead, the slow-moving Storybook Land Canal Boats features Monstro uh, the Whale instead, and you travel through his mouth. In this one, you would have traveled through his mouth, and his tongue was like a big slide, and the boat went down the tongue into the water. There's concept art of this. Um, and now people just fight in front of Monstro. It's a cute, it's a cute little ride. That's it. Probably, probably for the best it didn't happen. Little, little amusement parky in nature. All right. The Land Pavilion Blueprints of Nature Balloon Ride at Epcot. Oh, you're telling me Tony Baxter didn't let go of his idea for a balloon ride either? <laughs> his Discovery Bay balloon there ride? There is a glass roof at the land he too, just, right? He just took Discovery Bay and was like, how do we make this a pavilion about the land? Come on, man. Go ahead. I like it. I respect that. Oh, God. I, I don't know. Maybe that's why Tony Baxter is a famous Imagineer, because he had ideas that were worth fighting for. Sure. The Land Pavilion was part of Epcot Center from some of the earliest stages of its design, but early proposals made it look much different than a pavilion that ended up being built. For starters, its original intention was to be mainly based off of biomes and feature journeys through uh, several different dioramas of different biomes. Thus, the, the glass roofs, like that, the, the glass domes separated the biomes. That right. was the idea. Um, the ride, Blueprints of Nature, would have featured an animatronic host, your boy, the Land Keeper. He would take you on a journey through the attraction. It would begin with a Carousel of Progress-style show, similar to the opening scene of Journey into Imagination. Instead of being part of the actual ride, however, this would have been a... Turn the page. A pre-show to a hot air balloon ride, also led by the Landkeeper. And he's a Skykeeper, too, I guess. Beyond the general theme of an ecological look at the world, not much is known about this attraction. So, Professor Marvel gains a balloon theme, right? And also, Tony wants to do this carousel theater opening portion. So what does he do? This doesn't happen. He goes, all right, the landkeeper has a balloon now. He flies in this balloon. He's now the dream finder. Um, we're going to use that carousel theater portion on the ride. It all, the the thread, the co the connective tissue from Professor Marvel through land to imagination, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see it all eventually coalesce into I picture the landkeeper looking kind of like Hagrid, right? Not a fancy suit. He's going to be... He's wearing... No, he's wearing the same suit, just different color. I kind of want... I kind of want him covered there. in bird crap. I think he had a rainbow on his vest. Dirty. No. I don't know. You want to just be dirty? dirty yeah, he's the landkeeper, right? He's out there rolling up his sleeves, saving the earth. He's the Lorax, essentially. Yeah, let him be. Let him get out there and get dirty. What's wrong with that? Voiced by Danny, Danny DeVito. <laughs> I'm the landkeeper here. All right. I'm the trash man. Anyway. <laughs> um, the Paradise Pier Flume Ride. The Paradise Pier Water Flume Ride was proposed classic water ride, a shoot-the-shoots boat ride, in which groups of guests would float along a raised flume, then splash into Paradise Bay. The track would have weaved uh, its way amongst the helix, the western helix of California Screaming and around the Orange Stinger. This idea is resurrected, so since we did this, this segment, um, we recently posted a really cool article um, that has the plans for the Villains Pier, which was the first idea to redo Paradise Pier post-failure of DCA. Um, and this water ride comes back again in those plans. They try again, uh, but it never happened. Why not? I'm all for anything good would have been being really unthemed. This would have been really unthemed, though. It's for the best. Yeah, but it's Paradise Pier. It's all crap. 
I like the last Paint something Pixar, Pixar on it. Mm. Pixar Pier is garbage. But I, I don't mind the 2010 version of Paradise Pier where they tried to make it Disney-ish. I, I, I have a soft spot for that version. I don't know. Go ahead. I'm just saying, if they have it now, it would be it would be Pixar themed. You can make it. I don't know. To what? I don't know. Elemental. Does it matter? They just slap Pixar stuff on anything. Yeah, that's there. why that land sucks. That land is trash. It is bad. Like fork. But I, so if it had a flume ride, I'd I go just, on it. I just picked a. <laughs> I had a more cohesive a flume ride thematic connection with Forky than they did with anything in that land. A new a new flume ride in that land would be the most popular ride in that land, right? No, in Credit Coaster. You still think no. it's Credit Coaster? Yeah. Last time, every time I go there, it's like a walk-on. It has high capacity. There's a longer wait for Goofy Sky School. That's very low capacity. Yeah. Also very uncomfortable. <laughs> All right. We, uh, here at Disneyland now, we have Garden of the Gods. There are a number of proposals to transform Storybook Land Canal Boats into something called Garden of the Gods, a Mark Davis concept. The layout of Garden of the Gods would have matched the current storybook land, but would have always featured a lot of fountains. Chernabog would even make an appearance in this version. Yeah, Mark Mark had some weird ideas. Okay, that like I that's a well, one paragraph, a few sentences, but that's already my least favorite Mark Davis attraction. Storybook land deserved to live, right? It's timeless. It's so charming. It, it's a good thing it has survived as it has. Yeah, it, it deserves to be there. Yeah, I like storybook land. It's... It's something I, I don't go every time I go to Disneyland, but you know, once yeah. every year or two, I need to go. All right, let's get controversial. The oh, Israel boy. Pavilion. This pavilion would have actually been sponsored by the country, making it one of the only ones that would have been sponsored by a government, uh, contrary to popular belief. The pavilion would have recreated several historical sites from Jerusalem. The pavilion would have featured a stage, uh, but what kind of performance would have happened on it is unknown. Beyond this, the other parts of the land would have been very similar to other pavilions. It would have featured a museum-like section that is found in pretty much every country, as well as a restaurant that likely would have provided authentic cuisine. I I think it'd be fine. Uh, th so I will say, like, a lot of these historical sites in Israel are often controversial, yeah. and they're very religious in, in nature. Now, there yeah. are some religious things touched upon at Epcot, but I don't think that you go into a place feeling like you're being thrust into their religion. Yeah, I agree. Um, Israel, just because of the nature of how it was created, is inevitably a um, yeah. associated a land associated with mainly two two religions, yeah. right? Um, I think it would be controversial. That doesn't mean it couldn't be a beautiful pavilion with some yeah. culture to share because that region of the world has interesting uh, culture beyond the eternal conflict there, right? Yeah. They have interesting culture we're sharing, but I think that would have been a tough one, right? That would have been... I think it's best left as a, as a food and wine festival booth. Yeah. Probably. I can picture that becoming like a, like a gathering point for people who want to uh, protest or, you know, it's just one of those. Yeah, it's, you know, not to knock anyone's culture, but it, yeah, it, it, in a theme park, it may, it may be best left. It might home. be a little bit too heavy in real world for a theme park, yeah. right? For, especially if you're just talking about the country of it, like they're the, the Israeli people is one thing, but the country of Israel is uh, yeah. very young, right? Is really established in the late 40s. Yeah. And um, I, I think there's, look, there are a lot of people who don't believe that it, um, has a right to exist. I think it would just be a tough, a tough one to try to, you know, play it straight and keep it, you know, yeah. in the true spirit of what Epcot is. Yeah, I get that. 
Uh, Junkyard Jamboree Show at DCA. Not to be confused with Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. Um, originally conceived as a show, Junkyard Jamboree would have taken Carsland visitors, no. or Carland, I'm sorry, Carland. visitors, through an auto salvage yard where old junkers came to life after dark and played music. Animatronic characters built from random car parts would transform into musicians in a band called Johnny V8 and the Revtones. Imagineers dropped the ride concept but kept the name with Mater's Junkyard Jamboree reimagined for Carsland as a cross between a traditional teacup ride and a classic whip ride. Which kept the, you know, the, the music theme. And the music's fantastic. Love the music from Junkyard Jamboree. I'm getting Autobot vibes from this. Yeah, no, another bad idea, right? That's just like... Just not a good show idea. This isn't, no one was going to love this. I, I highly doubt that. I like the name Junkyard Jamboree, and I'm glad they kept yeah, it. Yeah, but right? the, it's not a strong show concept at all. Yeah. For the best. That's, that's it. That's it. That was a quick one. That was a quick one. Yeah. Any any highlights, lowlights, anything you want to, where this is, we've done all four of them now. You're not under the pressure of having voters in a bracket. Do you think, what are what are some of the highlights and ones that you would like to have seen? I mean, Western River. Yeah. The fact that, that we were denied a something that was supposed to be grander than Pirates of the Caribbean with a different yeah, theme. Yeah. Western Western Pirates of the Caribbean, just oh man, I I would love that. And there's room for both of those, right? You could yeah. you don't have to do one or the other, which is what they the direction yeah. it went in. There's no doubt it would have been a huge hit and it'd be another classic that maybe would have been replicated in other places, right? Like that's the first Disney Parks decision outside of creating Disneyland. I think that rocks the history of, of the genre. I I think. Really? I think so. I think so. It, it's the first thing that doesn't come to fruition, right? Because Ep, Epcot Center not being built as a city is, is after this, but um, yeah, I mean, in Walt's lifetime, the majority of things he didn't do were either it wasn't possible yet or, um, you know, it ended up being a bad idea. And like Space Mountain was Walt's idea, just it took them a very long time to figure out how to actually do it. So it eventually made it. But Western River, I think, would have it would have been the attraction that defined Magic Kingdom, a park that I think has a hard time defining a personality in a world where it has mostly rides that exist in other parks that are right. iconic from those parks, right? Um, yeah. I mean, that's probably the biggest miss. The yeah. mi biggest missed opportunity. There were other things on there that I think, some of the Muppet stuff I think would have been a lot of fun. I don't think the Muppet movie ride would have held on. I don't think it would have held. I think Muppet Vision, Muppet Vision did itself a lot of favors by being a really small footprint. Yep. And being located where it is, I think that's the only thing that saved it at several points. Um, so we, we got very lucky. I think if Muppets had a larger footprint, then someone would have been like, well, we knocked this down. We built a whole land for this thing. And really, you look at it now, it's like, well, if we knocked this land down, we really can't do much of anything with it. There's not a whole lot of room for anything. Yeah. So. I, I feel like uh, some missed opportunities might be the Equatorial Africa yeah. Pavilion. But we and, got DAC, though. Yeah. I mean... DAC really represents, like, East Africa, though, right? It's yeah. not West Africa, which is where a lot of the culture of a lot of people comes from that, that live here in the United States now. Um, and I just think it would have made Animal Kingdom a hard sell if yeah. they already had an Africa land. I think you end up, maybe the culture of that pavilion goes away and it does become a lot of Lion King stuff in the 90s, then who knows? Yeah, you never know. I think uh, just selfishly out of uh, 
wanting more good food, the Spain Pavilion, wow. again, would have been another good one. Obviously, they've talked about that Brazil Pavilion a lot that didn't yeah. make our list. You know, something from South America would be nice to have in there. No, Brazil would be a good one. I, did, I mean, it came very, very, very close to the point at which we thought it was going to be announced at one of the expos, and then um, they had all that turmoil with it. There were those fires. There was a whole lot of turmoil going on there at the time, and that yeah. just never resurfaced at that point. Um, the Copperfield restaurant, that's not an attraction. So it ended up on the, 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 what they're referring to is David Copperfield Underground, which was going to be a, 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 it was a chain of restaurants, right? Um, and one was advertised for MGM. It was on the billboard outside the park, and then never happened. Yeah, so uh, the wigs. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to go through and look for anything that the wigs were talking about during there. Why would we? Why couldn't we not have Young Frankenstein? Um, I yeah. think that would have been gone already. Hang on in a black and white so, castle. That yeah. would have been amazing. That actually, when you think about it, like that kind of aesthetic would have been cool, and Disney could have pulled it off, right? That yeah. kind of black and white. They've done that before, where you're kind of black and white. I and want Blazing Saddles. It used to play in the background loop at Disneyland until a couple of years ago in Frontierland. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, if you have a favorite thing you would want to see, whether it was on our list or not, please leave something in the comments. We'd like to hear fr- hear about it. Uh, we may come back and revisit some of these sometime. These we almost a have fun. a whole other segment between that DCA stuff that recently surfaced and all the Epcot things that did happen recently. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'd like you to imagine, if you will, a a three hundred foot tall spaceship that's gold. I love it. That's gold. I think they sell that at a Rebus. <laughs> you paint it gold. It's, it's there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining. Also, we, real quickly, we want to plug the Carousel of Products, carouselofproducts.com. That's our merchandise arm. Yeah. We sell all kinds of T-shirts, including the secret Swiss bobsled training facility T-shirt. I think, I think there's still a few left. They're like five They're bucks. They're five bucks. They're really cool. They They're have great. the Swiss, the, the... Yeah, the... What do you call that? The cross? The, cro- the Swiss cross. The Swiss cross with the Epcot Center logo in the middle of it. The ultimate dad joke was, what's the best part of living in Switzerland? I don't know, but the flag's a big plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great dad joke. You can right. ju- just to Someone set up the just dad joke. fell over can... in the office. Yeah, there's two dad jokes for me this week. From your joke. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I heard that. So, um, again, thanks for joining us. Every Tuesday, 10 a.m., we'll be releasing episodes. And our next episode after this one is going to be live. So it won't be on a Tuesday. No. It's going to be live during our uh, charity fundraiser show. The 50-hour marathon. The 50-hour marathon show. That takes place uh, starting the Friday after Thanksgiving and runs for 50 hours. So we'll be wedged in there at some point. Yeah, it starts 9 p.m. on November 24th and ends at 11 p.m. on November 26th. It obviously ends with that huge auction we do. Yeah, and 100% of the proceeds will be going to... Toys for Tots? Yes, absolutely. And uh, that's our preferred charity most of the time. We did yeah. give kids the world a, a little bit Whenever here and there. Whenever we don't do, if it's not around Christmas and we do some sort of event or something, right. we always raise for Give Kids the World. But um, the reason we do Toys for Tots is because um, many years ago, it, it's it's a strong, very strong connection between Disney and Toys for Tots. Um, the Disney animators actually created the original logo. The original logo Correct. had Donald Duck on that train, and that train has remained their logo since, and Walt and, uh, you know, the company have been raising for Toys for Tots since then. It's a great charity that makes sure um, that underprivileged kids have a toy to open for Christmas. There was a time when even famous people were active in the military or participated in yeah. the reserve, and 
there was a Hollywood guy that was friends with Walt who was a major, I think, in the Army, yeah. uh, or actually must have been it's Marine Corps because yeah. it's Toys for Tots. And you, shouldn't you know this? Shouldn't I know that, right? <laughs> well, no, it's Marine Corps Reserve. The active duty people don't really do uh-huh. the Toys for Tots stuff. But um, And I wish I remembered his name. He's kind of a famous Hollywood guy. But, yeah, they served in the military, and he was friends with Walt, and they whipped up the logo for Toys for Tots. and. Yeah. And the rest is kind of history. And we've been doing it for a long time. We've also raised money for cast member pantry and other charities that come along when we, that we we know that people need help. And we love doing this this time of year. So we appreciate uh, your support and watch that and maybe buy some cool items in the auction. And you could donate. I assume by the time this episode is out, you could donate at toys.wwnt.com. That should be up. Even if you can't make it to the show, we appreciate your support for this charity. And again, 100% of what you donate goes to toys for tots. We take nothing. Um, so yeah, that's great. But we'll let you know, state the schedule might be out by the time you're watching this too. And we'll let you know when the podcast is going to be during the event. Thanks for watching. We will see you next time. See you real soon. That slam means the show's over. (laughs) That's